Did I look at his house on Google? That's not you realize, you realize that's not live. Like that's like this is just a, no, there is a there is a Google live. Is it like there? Street like, View or something like yeah, that? You know, like, yeah, yeah. No, that car drove by his house like two <laughs> years ago. Oh. And took a picture. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. Hello everyone. Hello, Liana. <laughs> Jared is here joining us today. We have a great episode for you. So we actually recorded this episode last week, but with all of the protests happening and mm-hmm. all of the world events that are occurring right now, I made the decision to just post a very short episode about Uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, make sure to listen to it. It's super short. At the end, there's some suggestions of how to support Black-owned businesses, podcasts, uh, some videos, and books that can also provide some education on everything that's happening. So we're re-recording the intro because I want to say current with what's happening in our lives. And so there might be a little bit of an awkward transition into the main part of the episode. So just kind of hang in there with us today. Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So the main part of the episode is about breakups. I shared a story about an ex-boyfriend that I had and kind of the breakup that we went through. And Jared talks a little bit about kind of how his feelings of like kind of currently going through a breakup. So yeah. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Yeah, me too. But before we get into that, let's just kind of check in with each other. What's what's, ha- what's happening in your life? <laughs> well, when we recorded last week's intro, I was kind of sharing how I was feeling a little blue with like mm-hmm. everything going on, feeling a little bit tied down with COVID and feeling just kind of a little nostalgia over past guys that it seems like I'm not going to meet anybody because like, where am I going to meet them? And it, you know, it's things are opening up again. And I just don't feel comfortable yet going out. And it just it's just the world is weird right now. The world is weird. Mm-hmm. But this past week, I did actually connect with a couple guys on Bumble. And I met up with both of them. Wow. So I know. So I have been loosening up a little bit of like expanding my circle. So I've hung out with you and my best friend, Michelle and Megan. So I was like, I think that I I need to be able to meet people and have human connection. And my family and I are kind of we're all like, okay, it's time to live life now. You know, we're taking mm-hmm. precautions as much as we can. So I matched with two guys. One that was in Palm Springs, who lives in New York, Hmm. and one that lives in Redlands. And I started talking with the New York guy first, and we like totally hit it off. And I ended up FaceTiming with both guys in one night. (laughs) (laughs) And they were both great FaceTimes. Like, I felt a connection with both of them. But obviously, like, I wanted to kind of pursue the guy that lives here 
a little sure. bit more than the guy I was, that like, yeah, I was gonna say. lives in New yeah. York. So I met him at a brewery here in Redlands and we uh, spent about an hour and there just wasn't a romantic connection. Oh, wow. You're like really breaking down the physical distancing barriers. Like, cause I was imagining like a first meetup where you like do something, you know, like kind of like, I don't know, go for a walk or something like that. Um, but like being in the restaurant. Wow. Good for you. So, so here's my thoughts about it because I know some of you are going to judge me because a few episodes ago I was like, people <laughs> protesting, blah, blah. Okay. That's first true. of all, that was like a month and a half ago and the rules were much stricter. Second of all, things are open now, you know? Yeah, so I feel like true. when the, the rules were there, I was going to follow them. I wasn't going to say boo and, and now the rules are, you know, we're in stage three and then it's going to be stage four. Am I going to go get my hair done? Fuck yes. Uh, when the yoga studio opens, am I going to go take a yoga class? Yeah. Do I want to start working at the rock climbing gym that I was supposed to be working at? Yes. So it's like with, at this point, I think California is more able to open up a little bit more like, for instance, in New York, they're going to be mm-hmm. a much slower reopen. And then, you know, my dad works at a hospital. He's finally gone back to work. My mom is starting to see her piano students again. So I just kind of feel like we've got all these introductions of people now and movement in our life. And I know this is kind of like, I don't know if I can keep this in here or not. But if we get it, we get it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how are you supposed to feel about it now? It's like at some point we all have to go live our lives, right? So yep. if, if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. And the idea with the reopen now is that now we have enough hospital space for people. Now we yep. have enough equipment for people. Testing, so yeah. It's, it's just like, if California was like, listen, guys, we are on lockdown for another month. You need to social distance. Things yep. are closed. I would absolutely do that. But things are starting to open now. So what are we supposed to do? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like one of the articles I read about sort of like this public health strategy that we're going to be in called it like the hammer and the dance. And so the hammer was like the beginning of like everything shut down, everybody go in your houses, don't come out. And then the dance, I mean, I don't want to like alarm anybody, but like this could be a couple years of like, okay, let's open up a little bit more. And then if cases spike, then okay, hang on, let's close back down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And you're, we're going to have to do that dance to make sure like we're not overwhelming the capacity of the healthcare system, mm-hmm. that there's enough tests for folks until there's something like a vaccine or there's something yes. like herd immunity. And we're kind of a long way from both of those things. So, yes. I mean- I support you. I think everyone needs to make decisions for themselves. And I know that like people who are living paycheck to paycheck and, and whatever, you know, like there's other risks too. Mm -hmm. Um, And like loneliness is like a legitimate health risk. Like Mm -hmm. they, there's clear research that loneliness is bad for your health and it cuts down your life expectancy. But if you want to hear something really weird, like there's been some talk at my job about like, oh, we all might be going back into the office like in the next like three or four weeks. And Mm. I like, I like don't want this to end. Like there's part of me that like, it's felt really nice to like Mm. wake up and like meditate. And then it's Mm. like, okay, it's time to like, all I have to do is like open my laptop and like 
you know, start my first like meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm at home and I've been like making my lunch every day. And I'm like, Ooh, what am I going to have today? I'm going to make myself a nice salad. Like, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and it's felt like this beautiful sort of slowing down. And I like, don't want to go back to what life felt like before. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's been good for me in a lot of ways, like a nice reset. Yeah. I think that I definitely like feel parts of that. I, to be honest, like the first couple of months, I actually really enjoyed it. But now there's kind of a lot of chaos at my home and it just, it, where I'm living now doesn't feel super peaceful. And I'm just, I need, like, I almost, I almost like, I'm like, I've got some travel credit. I could fly anywhere and teach piano virtually and just be there for a couple of weeks and just get out of Dodge. Oh, that'd be cool. You know, so I'm even considering something like that. And you know, back to my, uh, when we ranted on the the protests, which actually somebody uh, got after on me on Instagram this week, because I had posted the protests of the um, Black Lives Matter movement. And they were mm-hmm. like, oh, I see that you don't care about COVID when it's a protest you care about. And I think there's truth to that. I mean, we all have things that we believe in very strongly. And guys, this is my podcast. <laughs> like, you're going to hear my beliefs. You're not going to hear... What I think everybody wants me to hear. So anyway, like with the protests, I think what bothered me about it was what we were a month in and the protests started happening and other countries had been weeks in and the protests weren't happening with masks on and they weren't being, they weren't weren't respectful of what the guidelines were supposed to be. Right now the guidelines are, well, you don't in where I live, you don't have to wear a mask. Do I wear a mask? Absolutely. You and I went to the Black Lives Matter protest mm-hmm. on Saturday. Everyone was wearing masks. There were very yeah. few people that weren't wearing masks. Is it crowded though? And are you close together? Yes. So there's still a risk. So it's just, you know, it's a tiptoe of yeah, where and, you feel yeah. in the moment. It's like, mm-hmm. what what are what are your convictions in that moment? And for the first two months, I was very I felt that conviction of social distance. I wouldn't even like if I went and visited my friend, Michelle, we went outside and we stayed six feet apart and had wine, Um, you know? So I was very, very strict on it. And now I'm like, okay, well, my conviction is that I was following what was asked to be done of us. And Mm -hmm. now those guidelines are loosening up and my spirit needs to be free right now. And I'll do the best that I can. And I think moving forward that we all need to be like respectful. If you have any symptoms, do not leave your house, you know, in te- unless mm-hmm. you go get tested or if you've been around every uh, someone, but this is what's going to happen is when I do finally start teaching piano in person, what's going to happen is if someone comes down with it, well, then we're back. Like you said, it's the dance. We're back to 14 days of isolation. Yep. Right. So it's, it's just going to be this constant thing of just kind of walking in. What is the right balance for you? Mm -hmm. And it, and you're right. This is not going away. The virus is, is here until there's a vaccination or like you said, like herd herd immunity, there may never be a vaccination. Yep. They may not be able to find one. And so I think we all need to be prepared of like, how are we going to survive the next two years because that's how long the spanish flu lasted in 1918 Mm -hmm. you know i mean it could be longer than two years it could be shorter than two years but yeah i mean 
we all have different opinions though. And some of you who may be listening and be like, you know, don't agree with me and that's okay. Yeah. I also, I hope that people like, I, for me, this is my hope for myself, Jared, and maybe I'll apply it to other people too. But like, I hope that we can all like hold on to the good things from this yes. weird time, right? Of like, oh, I remembered what it's like to like read books and really make time to connect with people from my family and from my life that I don't live near anymore. And like, you know, scheduling, you know, FaceTime and, and phone calls and like slowing down and stuff like that. I don't know. I, yeah. I hope I can hold on to some of that. But, yeah, absolutely. But Sorry, I mean, I also like, what, no, 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 you're fine. Also when there's like, you know, stuff in the, in the world that you are compelled to do, you know, like for us, right. It was to go out and be allies and, um, mm-hmm you know, be part of a demonstration and a protest to have more justice in our government and in our policing, then like we, we made that choice, you know, like, I think that's a little different than like protesting. Cause I want to be able to go get a haircut. Um, I but- agree. I agree. <laughs> but, you know, that's going to offend somebody somewhere. I know. But- I know. Well, well and, and the truth is like from those people's position, like what they were sort of protesting in a way is like a tyrannical government that can kind of unilaterally like take liberties away. And like, I get that. And like that resonates with me some, but. But anyway. we also have a tyrannical government that can also take lives away because of the color of their skin. So that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so hold on. Back to my dating story. Oh yeah. Okay. So so you are at the brewery with so the dude the from Redlands. With the dude from Redlands, and there just wasn't a connection. He was so sweet. I just I he wanted he we had this conversation. He's like, listen, if you're not feeling it, just let me know. I said, okay, yeah. So we played a little cards at the end. I said, listen, I just want you to know, like, you're so great. I just, I don't feel romantic chemistry. I wish you the best. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And I got up, gave him a side hug and left. Nice. Yeah. One so, arm side hug. One arm side hug. <laughs> nice. So then New York guy. So the reason he was here was he had been furloughed from his job. And mm. so he flew out to Palm Springs to be with his cousins for like a month. Because oh, cool. he he was quarantined in New York for like two months. He's like, I gotta get gotta get out. So he flew out to Palm Springs and was with his or his friends and his cousin. And I happened to match with him the last week he was here. So we ended up meeting yesterday. So that would be Sunday. We're recording this on Monday. And he left for New York today. So I saw him the last day before he left. Mm. And we had had a FaceTime call, like I said. There was a lot of chemistry there. So I felt really good about it. So here's here's what I'm going to say, ladies. I was a little risky. I drove to Palm Springs and met him at the house where he was staying. Hmm. And we went to the pool. So there was a, it was like an apartment complex. There was a pool there. So I showed up to a house where there were three men there that I hadn't met in person. And I definitely like there was some... Like I knew I had to be careful. I brought Mace with me. I told two, my sister and my best friend, Michelle, I gave them the address and gave them a code word <laughs> that if I texted them to call the cops and send them to that apartment. So I I made the, I did all the things that I felt like I needed to, to like make sure I had some protection, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately if three guys wanted to do something, 
I, there wouldn't be much I could do, sure. but, but I risked it. I listened to my gut. I have a really good gut and I felt calm about going there. Plus this guy had not once in any of our conversations when we texted for days brought up sex, not once, not in a sexual innuendo, nothing. How was your day? Asked about me. So I just, I felt like more comfortable. So anyway, I met him. I showed up. We ordered some food, walked down to the pool. We chatted for three hours, ate some food, drank some beers, made out a little bit, went back up to the apartment, made out some more, played Mario Kart, played darts, made out some more. And then I left at 1130. Wow. Fun times. It was really, really fun. It was really, really needed. Okay. So I feel like it was almost like I got the opportunity to do Denver all over again. Remember mm-hmm. Denver guy? Yeah. Because Denver how, guy was only... How could we forget? <laughs> Remember Denver I've guy. I've only up like thousands of times. You guys yeah. are like, can you stop I'd be like, no, Denver who's guy? that? Like there was a guy from Denver? <laughs> Episode eight, if you guys are wondering. And but nine and 10. Instead of being like, okay, he doesn't live here. I'm just not even gonna... I was like, no, I'm gonna live in the moment for a for a little bit. I yeah. had a great connection with this guy on FaceTime. I'm in need of human connection. I feel safe enough with this person. If we have a great time, I have another connection in New York. And when I visit New York, I can go say hi or whatever. Well, he was really, really into it and was talking about when I can fly to New York or when he can come see me again. Or So same stuff, right? And so what I've decided He's much more communicative than Denver guy. Very Mm -hmm. more like uh, verbally affirmative and everything. But I'm just going to let him whatever. Like if he wants to see me again, if he wants to make it happen, he can bring it up. You know, and if he doesn't, then well, I'll just move on. I'm so so proud of you and like excited for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I have two very important questions for you. Okay. Can you do an impression of this young man? Why? I mean, is he like New York? Like, is he like... Oh, oh no. No, he's Dominican. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, very cool. Yeah. So, and he doesn't have a Dominican accent. He speaks Spanish. Oh, Which lovely. I actually, I found out that Dominicans speak Spanish. Yeah, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, because my brother-in-law is Jamaican and he uh-huh. doesn't speak Spanish. That's true. That's a good point. Right? And, like, and it's all in like yep, the, yeah. And like Haiti doesn't. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Okay. Second important question. Okay. What was the code word? Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, if it was an emergency, I would have gone with like a shorter word. Like, because if you were like... <laughs> As you're like running away, as you're sprinting across the lawn trying to text Avocado. That's great. Oh, man. I wish I had turned the recording on. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So that was the stories of that. Yeah. I will keep you guys updated if we continue to talk, if there's any plans. I would like to. Oh, Jared, did you want to update us on your life a little bit? I mean, you know, I'm, uh, no, I'm excited for you. I want the updates for sure. I have, per our 
conversation last episode, I've jumped back into I'm I'm dabbling a little bit in online dating. I feel like it's been like six weeks or so or more than that or something mm-hmm. like that. So so far I'm like doing a healthy balance with it. Like Good. not spending too much time on there, like moving kind of slow, like chatting with a few people. We'll see. So who knows? Yeah. It's very interesting in the COVID world. Like it's like hmm. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Although it's I mean before I was open to seeing this person, person, which was just kind of a new thing in the past week, like a month ago, guys were texting me, be like, "Hey, come to my house right now." So it's like some people don't just don't care. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm just saying, yeah. like, you may match with some girls, and they're like, "I don't care. We can still meet up." Yeah, I'm going to be like six feet, lady. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Are you going to show up with one of those hats? That yeah, has I'm going to the- do, have you seen the thing where you put on a hoodie and you put like a glass lid to a pan in front yes. of your face <laughs> with the hoodie? That's yes, how that's I'm going to show up. Yeah, I love like, that. A, like a spaceman. <laughs> <laughs> like in a full, I'm going to show up in a full astronaut suit. I love it. That'll yeah. be great. Okay. I wanted to, before we jump in, I just, Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit more about everything going on. Mm -hmm. Um, On Friday's episode, Jared and I just, we had this very candid conversation about our thoughts with the protests. And I just, I want to talk about it a little bit more. Some things that have come up that I've seen on social media that, you know, and it's, this isn't to berate this into you if you don't agree it's more of like I just I want to provide some thoughts of two people who are on the side of Black Lives Matter who are white Mm -hmm. and maybe how these certain terms resonate with us Mm -hmm. I don't know I don't even know where you want to start with it we yeah I mean I, I would say like like a good like disclaimer is like, yeah, like we're two white people, like we're two people of immense privilege. And so like, you know, like don't come to us for like, you know, I mean, we, we can share sort of our experience as white people and, and trying to be good allies and all of that. But I think like a really important thing, and I feel like maybe you're going to get to this at some point is like seeking out the voices and perspectives of people that are different from you, you know, people with perspectives that are different from you, because the thing that I think we're all missing is like an openness to having our mind changed. I think Mm -hmm. that's really rare in our world and like so important. So people with different perspectives than you and especially like people of color when it comes to things like this, right? I would say maybe, you know, if you have a really good friend that you want to have an open conversation with, but try listening to a podcast first or reading Mm -hmm. a book, like go to the effort of educating yourself versus requiring someone of color to educate you. Would, yes. you, would you agree with that? Yes, 100%. Like, if you're going to reach out to someone personally, like, sort of ask their consent, right? Ask their permission of, like, because it is, you know, like, the term that gets used a lot is emotional labor, right? It's it's a lot on people of color to have to, like, and then if you think about it, if you're a person of color with a lot of white friends, like, you're having the same conversation over and over and you're yes. starting from the same position and having to explain something that is very, like, personal and vulnerable and like hurts you and so like make sure the other person is up for it but yeah i mean i've got some like podcasts some book recommendations i could i could throw into the mix i don't know if you do but yeah let's let's do that at the end sure 
I want to talk a little bit about just a couple terms that tend to be triggers for people that I think maybe are just misunderstood. So first mm. I want to talk about white privilege. Mm-hmm. So Jared, what is white privilege to you? What does that mean? So I think because of the color of my skin, there are certain benefits um, and privileges that I have that up until, you know, like I was older and had thankfully had people educate me on this. Like I was totally unaware of, right. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I didn't work hard, right. That doesn't mean that I, I haven't sort of like earned a lot of things in my life, but that it's like, in golf, you know, when there's like, there's different tees that you can hit from. And if you're like a pro, you hit from the ones that are really far away. And if you're just a regular player, then if you're like a senior citizen or a female player or whatever, it's like moved up. So like, I've been hitting from some of those closer tees. um, And not everybody and not everybody gets that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, I think, I think for me, white privilege is it, like you said, like it doesn't mean that we haven't worked hard or it doesn't mean that we haven't gone through pain in our lives or it doesn't mean that we haven't struggled, right? Mm-hmm. All it means is that we haven't struggled specifically because of our skin tone. Yes. Right? So yeah. so the reason that I have been discriminated against is maybe because I'm a woman, mm-hmm. but not because I'm a white person. Yeah. Right? And so I've probably gotten all of these extra things in life without even knowing it because I am white. And mm-hmm. then didn't even realize that because I wasn't aware that people weren't getting certain things because they were black. Yeah. Yep. I really appreciate you like like describing it in that way, right? Because I think when like that's the defensive reaction is either to be like, hey, like I've worked hard for what I have or like blah, blah, blah. Or the other like knee-jerk defensive reaction that a lot of people go to is, well, like I'm Jewish and I face discrimination for that or I'm a woman and I face discrimination for that. You know, and like those are all real and like legitimate. But I think like, especially at a time like this, like now's not the time to be sort of trotting out like, yes, like you have other identities and have faced difficulty as a result of those. And it's, you know, not to invalidate that in any way, but also like, hey, let's just like listen on this one, you know, because like we don't know what that is Mm -hmm. and because we haven't experienced that, you know? Yes. And one of the, the reasons that these protests are happening now is because one of those privileges that we have as white people is that we are not targeted by the police just because Mm -hmm. of the color of our skin. Does that mean all police? No, but unfortunately it is very prominent and black people are killed for nothing consistently. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be something that is not changing. And that is why the black population is very reasonably upset because it's like every time they see this, it goes so deep in them because it's like their brother or their sister that, and they know it, they have felt that discrimination their whole life. Mm -hmm. And now they're just seeing it again over and over and over. And then there's freaking white people who are like, but white privilege doesn't exist and all lives matter and everybody suffers. And it's like, but that's, that's not 
what it is right now. What it is right now is the black population is suffering. Their mm -hmm. hearts are suffering. Well, and it's really, yeah. And even like, even when you look at the, the way the different like killings of unarmed black men and women have been debated, right? Like, I mean, it's been years now since Eric Garner and Michael Brown and all this stuff. Right. And an argument that people reach for often is like, well, like some crime had been committed leading up to the interaction with the police. And it's like, well, okay, so what? Like, he, like yeah. Eric Garner was like, they, 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 he was selling loose cigarettes was the thing. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have to be totally blameless, right? And like an above reproach person to have basic human rights, like in the way the police treat you. Yes. Um, and when white people are saying like, well, you know, this person, you know, the police were only talking to him because he had committed a crime to begin with. It's like, yes, but your understanding of what it means to have the police talk to you is totally different yes. from a person of color, right? Where you kind of can assume that you don't have to fear for your life when the police talk to you. And that mm -hmm. is a privilege that like not everybody have and particularly the black Americans like very clearly don't have. Yes. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's a sad thing. And I understand that not everybody listening to this podcast agrees with our opinions. And I just, I think this one is something that if you don't agree with, it just would really encourage you to really think about it. And because this is, this is fighting against racism. And that doesn't mean you're racist, but turning your back to it is adding to the problem. Sorry, I would I would say like if anybody out there like you know, I actually put this onto one of my social media feeds of like, look, if there's anyone in my life who feels like what was the example I used? Oh, that's like more upset about like some looting than about like the murder of unarmed black citizens in this country, then like message me. Like I will talk to you, right? Like and I I don't have any interest in kind of getting into a debate or like, you know, like commenting on social media and like sort of getting into some sort of argument or whatever. But like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I think again, like I said earlier about people ha being open to having their minds change, like I'm, I'm up for with whoever, like listening and like talking and sort of sharing some of the things that I feel like have helped change my mind. And so, yeah. Know, so there you go. Message there. Jared at yeah. the real Rodriguez. At the Wait, real at Jared the Rodriguez. <laughs> the real Jared Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. And when I say, you know, if you're turning your back to it, I don't necessarily mean, I mean, I understand not everybody is a protester. Not everybody feels like it's their place to post something on social media. I think everybody has a different way that they can fight against injustice. Maybe it's uh, giving money to a cause. Maybe it's just talking personally to a couple friends and, you know, so I'm not, I mean, turning your back to it, like pretending it doesn't exist mm -hmm. because it exists in a very major way. So I think just to kind of wrap up this topic, I, I just, I want to break down all lives matter because that that's the thing that I see the most is, you know, mm -hmm. the, the phrase is black lives matter. And everybody's like, well, all lives matter. Well, all lives matter. And here's, I've seen some great examples of why that is very 
insensitive. Why mm-hmm. that 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 term is insensitive. If someone got breast cancer and you said, guys, I really let's pray for Karen. <laughs> of course. <laughs> poor, poor Karen's. This let's is a tough for- time to be named Karen. Yeah. I know, I know. Let's pray for Karen. She has breast cancer and let's let's, you know, start a GoFundMe. Nobody's going to be like, well, what about this person over there? They have colon cancer. Yeah. They're, they're what about what about too. liver cancer and lung cancer and testicular cancer? Like all those cancers matter too, right? Why yeah. why are we only focusing on this person? And it's because Karen is the one that's like that's who's suffering currently. And I don't know. Maybe that was a bad. And, and also, and giving support to Karen and caring about that in that moment doesn't take anything away from all the other cancers or all Correct. the people suffering. You know, we're not saying like, Hey, let's, you know, like join the fight against breast cancer at the exclusion of <laughs> any other cancer. Well, that's right? a much, much better example is breast cancer awareness. Yeah, yeah. Like just in general, the fight for, for breast cancer. And it's nobody's being up. Well, what about the fight for colon cancer? Like people are in support because that's a movement that needs to happen. And people need to be supported who have breast cancer. And it's huge. So right now, Black Americans are fighting against injustice constantly. And this horrible video of George Floyd having a knee on his neck for eight minutes long is painful to watch it's horrific and if it makes us feel a certain way i can't imagine how it makes Mm -hmm. black people feel well and it's also i mean what's like also being condemned by police all over the country Mm -hmm. i mean what's really nice about this which has been sort of either very quiet or absent in a lot of the previous killings of unarmed black people at the hands of police has been police coming out and saying like, that's absolutely inexcusable. Yes. Um, you know, like, and, and I've been in spaces with our assistant police chief here in, in our city. And he said, you know, like, look, as soon as resistance stops, like force has to stop. Like that is, you know, and like, and what's nice is in a state like California, like there's numerous, sort of laws and things governing police here that would make that absolutely a no-go. However, that being said, like there's still a lot of work that needs to happen with police in California as well, right? And my hope is, you know, and what was has been cool is that like even as the police here in our town have said like that could never happen here and that would never happen here, they also need to be saying but we actually need to learn and do more and take more action to be sure that that never happens here. I agree. I agree. I think it's not, uh, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. I know. Sorry. No, it's okay. So I mean, basically like, it's kind of like when I talk about how men say, but not all men, like that's Mm -hmm. just a given. But right now what's happening is I'm feeling a certain way because I'm a woman and this guy did this to me and I keep dealing with shitty men and I want to talk about how I feel about shitty men. Does that mean all men are shitty? No, I have a lot of men in my life that I love dearly. So it's just, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why people are struggling so much with Black Lives Matter because right now, 
this is, this is, I guess this is how I'd like to kind of like just end this is like right now it's just, it's not about you. Yep. It's not about you. White people need to stop defending themselves and just fight for the hurt and the broken right now mm-hmm. and be there for them and do what you can to, to try and be a part of the solution. Yeah. And it, and it, it doesn't mean that you're anti-police, right? Like part of why yes, I believe absolutely. in like, you know, absolute like de-escalation measures is I think it keeps police safer too. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Thanks, Fred. So real quick, let me just amplify some, some black voices yes. in terms of like media and, and educational sources. Yes, please. So books. So you want to talk about race is a nice book. I have not read the one you recommended, which is how to be anti-racist. Um, but I am planning on it. And actually I think there's a group of people at work. We're all going to do a book club with it. Oh, nice. But so you want to talk about race is another great book. And I think in like a lot of big city libraries, they have, Kind of like if you use some of those library apps like Libby and stuff like that, like oh, okay. every, like there's no limit on the copies. So if you don't want to buy a book, go get that one. Podcasts, uh, Seeing White is one that's come recommended by a lot of folks, um, which I'm excited to dive into. I also, I have not checked out their most recent content, but um, a podcast that I listen to a lot is called Still Processing. And it's two journalists who are people of color and also not uh, heterosexual. Mm. Um, And so it's sort of like these cool, like black and brown, like queer voices. That's a really cool podcast. There's a new podcast with Rachel Lindsay and Van Latham, and I'm not going to remember it. It's part of the Ringer Podcast Network, but that's another good one too. So go go check them out. That's just like a little promo. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jared. All right, you guys. Well, we're going to dive into the episode. Again, thank you for being gracious of any weird transitions and hope you enjoy. Get into it. Anyway, so I guess that can kind of lead us a little bit into breakups and kind of talking about our experiences and some tips and tools for you guys as well. So where do we start? Well, I thought I would start by talking about my relationship with an ex-boyfriend. Okay. I haven't really brought this up on the show yet, but after my divorce, it was a couple years, and then I met a guy, and he ended up being my a boyfriend of mine, so first boyfriend since my ex. Yep. And it was kind of a crazy story how we had met. So I was downtown with my best friend, Michelle. I actually had not been drinking and we were hanging out and we were on the corner and this guy walks by us and he like ignored me and started talking to my friend, Michelle, and was like trying to have a conversation with her, like obviously hitting on her. And I said, hey, we don't want to talk to you. (laughs) Good for you. And he was like, excuse me? And I said, we don't want to talk to you. This, like, we're having a thing right here. You can go hang out with your friends. And he was like, fuck you. Like, you're a horrible Christian, blah, 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 blah. And was like, yeah, like. Why did he go to you're a horrible Christian? Were you wearing like a cross or something? No, no. I don't know. What? I have no idea. What a maniac. And like started flipping us off. And I was like. Fuck you. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. So he's he's walking away yelling at me and I look over and this is really attractive guy getting ready to go on his motorcycle. And he was looking my way. Like, I think he saw that interaction. Yeah. 
So then all of a sudden I look down the street and there's a car going the wrong way. So it's a one-way street in our downtown area. There's a car going the wrong way and there is a guy driving it who's vomiting out the window. Jesus. So we're like, okay, he's drunk and he's driving and he's driving the wrong way and he was driving really slow. So this guy who was getting ready to go on the motorcycle, he goes, hey, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, I got to go pick up my girlfriend, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, this guy reaches in, pulls the keys out of the ignition. The drunk guy gets out the car, like tries to start a fight with him. And he's like, just, I'm going to park your car for you. Go sober up, you know, call an Uber, whatever. So this guy gets in the car, parks the car. This is the guy on the motorcycle? Who was yeah. on the motorcycle? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, and then the cops finally show up and they arrest this guy. And so the three of us, Michelle, me, and this attractive motorcycle guy, are all talking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need to, I need to talk with him more. So anyway, I was like trying to get him to engage, and then finally, I was like, do you want to go grab like a drink? And so the three of us went and grabbed a drink and I was worried that he was going to be into Michelle, but Michelle was like, Leanna, he's not my type. Like I understand like this is a you and he thinks. So Michelle was like, here, why don't you sit here? And she kind of encouraged us. And then she eventually left and we closed the bar down and we walked to my car and it was like love at first day. I don't know. It was, it wasn't love at first sight, but it was very, it was a, quick relationship. So So when you said you closed the bar down, I imagine like you guys are like talking and connecting and like laughing, laughing, connecting, totally like into time is just flying by like, yes, holding hands. He walked me to my car. Holding hands. Oh yeah. Did it, did you guys kiss at the bar? Cause that's like getting romantic pretty quick. No, we didn't kiss at the bar. So he walked me to my car and then we hugged and then he asked me if he could kiss me. And he kissed me. It was very sweet and endearing. And then I said, well, listen, do you want to come over? I said, I'm not into hookups, but if you want to come over and you want to keep talking, like, I'd love that. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He came over. He was super respectful. He stayed the whole night. It was like he didn't want to leave in the morning. And then he left. I heard from him right away. And then he was like, I want to see you again. So he came that night, cooked me dinner, stayed the night again. We didn't hook up. We spent all night talking. It was that way for like, Five days. And then because we were not getting any sleep, I ended up with like a stomach bug. So I got really sick and he still came over to like check on me. And then he got really sick. (laughs) So anyway, but that was three weeks before Christmas. And by the end of the first week, I had asked him if he wanted to spend Christmas with my family. Wow. Yeah. So he did. But As that time came, I started getting my anxious behavior and Mm -hmm. and wanted to run. Like I was like, okay, wait. Because he was still like super into you, but not pushing it too fast, like not pushing the physical stuff too fast. No, 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 no. Like he was like, I don't want to sleep together for a while because I just want to get to know you. Like he was the one that's setting the boundaries. And so it wasn't anything like that. It was like- Which like we talked about last week makes you feel really safe and seen and yeah, yeah, great. It was was almost like it was a little, I got a little avoidant um, because- so it was like an anxious, a combination of anxious avoidant where I all of a sudden was like, well, I don't know if I'm attracted to him. And 
um, you know, is this going too fast? And he really likes me, but I was not sure if I, how I still felt about my ex and like, it was a different relationship and did I still miss him? And it was just, it was yeah. So, so this was, much. so you started having these anxious thoughts after you said spend Christmas with my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is because I think then I think when you're in the moment and then all of a sudden something like that happens and it becomes real and you're like, oh, Christmas is still three weeks away. Like what if something happened? Yeah. All the what ifs start popping up. Yeah. Yes. So by Christmas day, I was like kind of annoyed by him and I wasn't feeling it anymore. And so Chris, Christmas day night, I broke up with him. And by broke up, like, because we weren't he, together. Okay, so wait, was he, like, with your family on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and, like, still All super into you? And you were yes. like, ugh, dude, get out of here. Yes. <laughs> like, it was just so much. And I was, and then he was like, are you still over your, are you over your ex? Like, if he showed up, yeah. would you? And I was like, I don't know. And I was, like, crying. So, anyway, he stayed the night because he, it was like really late. And then in the morning he got up and he went to work and I said, it wasn't like, I just needed space. Like I needed some time. And had you guys, sorry if this is like a crass question, but had you guys slept together at this point? No. Wow. No. I mean, where, okay. So like, but like, was there any sort of physical intimacy or was it still like, were you guys kissing frequently? super, Super passionate. I mean, the sexual chemistry was off the charts. Okay. Yeah. So you're doing kind of everything but intercourse at this point. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for, so, thanks I, I for mean, making that. Like, so, like, there's a lot of gray area in there. I want to understand what we're talking about. Do you about, want me Leanna. to list everything? List <laughs> it in your story. Yeah. Can you give me the day-to-day activities that took place, please? <laughs> Along with, like, scores for how much Let's both just say there were a them. lot of times where we uh, had to – Pull back, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, even with like the passion and the physical intimacy being on point, like you're still having these like being anxious, being annoyed by him. Like, so, like, what were the things that were like making you annoyed in this time? Well, I think he liked me so much that he was trying to show his best side or like, it was almost like he wasn't being himself. And so he'd like do this weird thing where he'd like, like have a different voice and like, which by the way, good radar by you. Like, I think that's important that you were like attuned to that. And you're like, like something's off here. Like he's not really being like just himself with me. Yeah. He said things to me like, I know that you're going to say things that are going to really hurt my feelings. Or he said, I think you're scared that it's going to end and I'm scared that it's going to continue. Or he said, he said to me, you're the first girl, you're the first girl I've ever been with that I'm afraid is going to hurt me. Like basically he had broken up with every other girl he had been with. Mm -hmm. So he was putting a lot of pressure on me because Uh he was saying how much he liked me. And I think it was just, it was just too much too fast. And I got wrapped up in it in the first couple of weeks. And then the the third week where Christmas week, it was just too much. And I was like, I need space. I got to get out of here. So Mm -hmm. we were supposed to go on a trip to Sedona together to go see my friends out there. And when did was, you wait? You were, even while you were in the, why are you planning no, a trip when no, you're no, feeling no. like this? I, no, I'm saying like we had planned that. And then I started feeling that way. 
So we were supposed to go to Sedona a week after Christmas or actually just a couple days after Christmas. And so then I kind of ended things. So you made like the Sedona plan and the Christmas plan, like at this around the same time when you were still super into it. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't invite him to Sedona. plans we make and no wonder you kind of had this little backlash. I know, I know. And then for Easter, we're going to go visit my (laughs) aunt and uncle. And then on the on Memorial Day, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Would you let me finish? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listeners love our like witty banter. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have another. Sorry, this might be no. You can you can finish, but I'm also really curious. I really want to know more about like the voice thing. Well, like when he used okay. a, a different voice. Okay. So he says that, so basically we'd be making out and he, it's like he'd, he'd go, I don't even know how to replicate it, but he'd be like, oh, <laughs> why was that annoying? That sounds so romantic and hot. So, so eventually I was just like, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about like the voice thing. Like, why are you? And, he's and was like, he like, oh, what voice thing? Ooh. No, he was like, you know, you're right. I've never done that before. I don't, I think I'm just nervous around you. And he was like, oh, or that's maybe. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, or maybe like, I I don't want it to go into like us having sex yet. So maybe I'm like subconsciously trying to prevent it or I don't know. And so it was something that eventually he stopped doing, but it was like, mm. Everything all compiled together. I'm like, Mm -hmm. am I attracted to him? He does these things that kind of annoy me. And this is going really fast and blah, blah. So I, I, I was like, I need space. Well, right when I said I need space, then I was like, Christmas day, Christmas day. Then the next day he had to go to work and I visited him at work. And then I was like, oh, like he, he was pulled back a little bit because he didn't know what to Mm do. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it again. (laughs) <laughs> this poor man this poor man is trying to give you feedback while you're being intimate and you're judging him for it and then all he wants to do is love you and have you love him and then you're like get out of here and then he's like oh his heart's all hurt he's all pulled back and then you're like oh wait come back here okay go ahead but, but this is my cycle right this is kind of what i do yeah. that i'm trying to work on is like i get overwhelmed and i anxious and then i need space and then once i have the space and i'm like oh okay i think i can do this so yeah. that's my cycle this i is relate kind of- to that as well yeah yeah like because yeah sometimes like i'll be into someone and it'll start going hot and heavy and then i'll be like hey like at some point i'll say i'll say something because i'll get scared and i'll be like I, like I, i'm like not sure where this is going like is yeah and and if they're like yeah, me either. That's okay with me. Like we've only known each other for like three weeks at this point. I'm like, oh, thank God. And then I yes. can go back to being into them. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Totally the same. So anyway, so after that, our relationship progressed. A week later, became like boyfriend girlfriend, and started went fighting. to Sedona, I believe. No, we didn't. I went no. to Sedona by myself. So we took that time oh. off, and then I came back, and then we were super connected. Okay. So we started fighting. Because he was actually quite insecure and he did not, well, it was the first relationship I had been in post-marriage. So I didn't know how much to talk about it 
or like kind of what to share or what to bring up or not. And I probably overshared and he got super like hurt and offended. And then he would be like, why would you say that? Well, anyway, turns out he had some big anger issues and the fights were not regular fights. They were very uh, explosive. He Mm. said that he would see red with me that he, I mean, he said, fuck you to me. It was so much that I didn't realize I was in an abusive relationship because I was so in love with him. But it was like, it was a very toxic, abusive relationship. Mm. So we were so in love that we're talking about, this is a three month span that we're like, okay, maybe we should do couples counseling because we, because he had already said to me, like, he sees getting married to me. We had planned to go on to Zion a year later. Like I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. I had met this person. And so it was coming up. I was getting ready to go to Thailand for a yoga training. Mm -hmm. And we just got in this really big fight, but it was interesting because I mean, the typical with an abusive relationship, our highs were like super high. Like when we were not fighting, it was like the best time. And then the fights were, really consistent and happened all the time and were really bad. So I went to Thailand and he started pulling back and basically was, he was, he started getting upset that he was having to compromise on his life. He wanted to keep his life the same and not have to compromise on anything. And I was used to like being in a marriage where you compromise on everything. And Mm. so he felt like, I think, you could probably relate to this is he felt a little bit like he lost himself and that he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. And he started becoming avoidant. And so when I went to Thailand, he was like, I think I need space. Like he basically was like, we're on a break. And so I was super hurt because I'm like, I'm already halfway across the world. How much more of a break could you need? You know? Yeah. And he's like, I just need space. Like, I don't want to, you know, talk or anything. So I was just really hurt. And then he reached out a couple days later and he's like, okay, I think I'm ready to go back in. And I'm like, well, I'm not. I said, you abandoned me. Hmm. And I'm, and I was like, so I don't want to be your girlfriend right now. I said, we can keep talking, but like, you need to build that trust for me to, to feel that way. So then he then blamed the whole thing on me saying that I was the one that ended the relationship this is probably just way too much information. But basically, after that, I flew back, I got back into the United States, he picked me up from the airport, we had a huge fight that night. Then we made up in the morning and just did talk about it. And then we got in another fight that afternoon. And then we broke up that night. So the day I got back from Thailand, we broke up that night over the phone. And he said, I'm ending this because I want to fight for this. He said, I'm going to go see a counselor. I'm going to get some help. And then we did keep the communication a little bit in terms Mm -hmm. of he was like, I don't want to close the communication off. You can still reach out because I know it's hard to kind of do a cold turkey. So I would reach out a little bit. And then I slowly started to realize that he was not going to fight for it, that he wasn't going to see a counselor for me, that he had already started dating people. And he came over two other times. He came over a week after and we like kind of had, we hooked up 
And it was kind of like, a, in his mind, it was like a final, like he wanted to end it on a good note. In my mind, it was like, oh, he still loves me. Like, maybe we can work on this. Yeah. And so then after that, like, we got in a fight. And then uh, two weeks after that, he came over to drop one final thing off. And I just said, I knew by then that he was seeing someone and I just said, did you ever really love me? Because he was the one that said he was falling in love with me, that he loved me. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he was like, mm-hmm. I really wanted to, but I did it. Mm-hmm. So it went from. This is so confu- This is the most confusing story I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. Well, that's how horrible. That's how toxic this relationship was. It was like, a, this is like a 10 year train wreck marriage in three months. Like it's really something. <laughs> well, this is your typical anxious avoidant relationship. Yeah. Right. This, but this was a very unhealthy, anxious, avoidant relationship. Yeah. Well, and I, I call them like rubber band relationships, where like you pull away from each other so that you can like smash back into each other, and it's like mm-hmm. amazing. And oh my god, I love you. And like, and then there's the fighting and the resentment and the whatever starts, and then you crash back into each other. Yeah. And he was going through some things in his life, and yeah. I came along, and I, it seemed like he. Basically, I was his saving grace during that time. His grandmother had just passed. And then he was my first boyfriend post my ex. So we were really just two train wrecks that collided, literally collided in one night in the middle of State Street, downtown Redlands. And it was just this really fast, passionate, toxic relationship. And what's crazy, though, is it took me months to get over him. Of like course. months. I was madly in love with him. He broke my heart. He said that he was going to fight for me and he didn't. And then he moved on really quickly. And so it was kind of that whole thing of like not being fought for all over again and being mm. abandoned all over again. And then he said he never loved me. So I was the only one that loved him. And it was just, it, anyway, I reached out four months later. Mm-hmm. because my sister had had her baby, my niece, and he was at the baby shower or not the baby shower. He was at the gender reveal party. Okay. So he, I mean, he was so involved in my family. He yeah. and my mom were really, really close. Oh, I remember and that. I was really jealous. You were really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> that like someone was more special to your mom. Like some dude was more special to your mom than me. I was, I really felt hurt by that. Your mom and I are still healing, I think. I think we're on a good track. But <laughs> She and he were very close. They had a very yeah. special relationship. And uh, to be honest, they kept that relationship oh, up yeah. for a yeah. month or two, which mm-hmm. I eventually was like, no, like that can't. It needs to stop. Did you anyway, say that to your mom or to yes, him? Yes, to both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. So I reached out to him four months later and I just said, hey, how are you doing? I just wanted to let you know my sister had the baby. Just wanting to check in. Never heard from him. Hmm. So yeah, that was a major breakup for me. I don't think I handled it as well as I could have. And so I kind of hmm. want to go over some things that I did that were healthy and some things that I did that definitely weren't healthy yeah like that's my first question is like ooh, like what would you have done differently but like maybe yeah. we, but if you want to start with the like hey i thought this was good this was good then like yeah yeah so i 
I think something that was good was I really dove into my friends and just used them as a support system. I was also really invested in my work at the time. I had just left the yoga studio that I was uh, teach. I had been teaching at for years. And so I was investing in doing classes on my own and getting ready to start teaching at this other yoga studio. I was investing in my, my yoga private business. So I created a website. I got some photo shoots done. So I did, you know, I started kind of investing in my work a little bit. I think Mm -hmm. that was a really Mm -hmm. healthy thing. Yeah. I did a lot of other unhealthy things. I think that was mainly the only healthy thing. Well, I mean, I was seeing a counselor. I was seeing a counselor and and working working through it as much as I could. But it really, you know, it brought up a lot of the abandonment and feelings that I felt from my marriage ending. So it was like twofold. It was twofold. You know, that's why it was so hard because it was like my marriage ending all over again. Mm -hmm. So, okay, some unhealthy things I did. I think I went on Bumble too soon. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here I'm saying, you know, he started seeing someone. Well, I I went on Bumble too. I, I think about three weeks post okay. breakup. Post three month relationship. Okay. Yeah. Very intense three month relationship. Very intense. What was happening inside of you? Like that you were like, I'm going to go on Bumble. Like, how were you feeling at that time? And like, what were you saying to yourself about like why you were going to go on Bumble? Like, were you aware, like, I'm just bored. I don't like how this feels and I want to be distracted. Or like, did you not have that much sort of self-awareness? I think I knew it was an unhealthy distraction. But I think what I was hoping is I would just meet someone and be really happy with them and then not have to think about this anymore. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a hookup thing. I didn't want yeah. hookups. I experienced something that felt really good to me and I wanted that again. And yeah. I wanted it fast because it hurt so bad. Mm. So it was definitely not healthy for me. I think going on dating apps post breakup can be healthy for some people. For me, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't a healthy decision. And thank goodness I didn't meet someone because I would have gone into a different relationship, not fully healed from that one. Yep. So what's interesting is I did meet someone on Bumble and flew to Denver to meet him. Wow. Yeah. That's, we can talk about that on a whole nother episode, <laughs> but yeah, he, we fa- had FaceTimed. I wasn't sure. I don't know if I was feeling it, but he seemed super cool. He flew, oh, I remember me, out. This. He yeah. flew me out to Denver. I stayed the weekend and then I flew back and it, didn't I just was like I don't I don't know and so it didn't end up working out but so I did that within a month and a half from the breakup I went out a lot I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing I'm trying to think if I was drinking more or not I don't think I was I I don't think any more so but I would drive by his house Oh, wow. To see if he was home. And he lived 25 minutes from me. Were you looking to see if like there was going to be someone else there? Yeah. Was there ever anyone else there? Uh, No, I don't think Mm. so. Or maybe there was one time. I don't remember. Or did I look on his, did I look at his house on Google? 
That's not the you realize, you realize that's not live. Like that's like there's just a, no, there like, is a there is a Google live. Is it like there? Street like, View or something like yeah, that? You know, like, yeah, yeah. No, that car drove by his house like two <laughs> years ago <laughs> and took a picture. Uh, but yeah, I stalked him a little bit. I mean, yeah. he didn't have social media, so that sucked. I couldn't stalk him that way. But like, I would uh, see. That's actually a blessing, you yeah, know. It like, wasn't at the time though. But yeah, I mean, I just really struggled to get over him. I dropped off everything at his house that he ever gave me. I just got rid of it. I dropped mm-hmm. it on his doorstep. I would leave notes. I, I mean, it was very not. I didn't make me look very good. Okay. Um, I wasn't like sending him 32 texts in a row or sent or leaving voicemails or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just, I could have, I mean, the problem is, is I just wasn't in a very healthy state myself and even yeah. in the relationship. And then the relationship was so crazy that, of course the breakup was crazy and I felt crazy and I felt like I was going crazy and yeah. So hmm. that was it. It's a lot that I know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> what are my thoughts? So it's interesting, right? When we were talking about dealing with breakups and I think like, even for me in the past couple of weeks, I had like one week where I kind of by happenstance ended up, like drinking some alcohol, like, like four nights out of like seven or something like that. And then thankfully I was like, okay, I need to like, I need to take like at least a week off of like any alcohol or whatever. And the difference is incredible. You know, it's funny because there's a comedian and a podcaster named Duncan Trussell. And I was like listening to one of his old podcasts and he says this and it's like so true. He's like, you know, when you like so many people start like drinking more and stuff like that because they're depressed. And he's like, when you do that, it's like, uh, you realize you're like guzzling depression juice. Yeah, I know. That's what that is, you know? And it's like, and it really does put you on this roller coaster of like, maybe for a little bit after you start drinking, like you're like, woohoo. And like, whatever. But like later on, even while you're still drunk, sometimes the depression comes. and then in the hangover the next day, like at, at least that's what it was for me. And so, um, yeah, I think for anyone who's in that place, like stop drinking. Like if, if, if you can like cut down on your drinking and your substance use and like the stuff that you were saying, like really like invest in yourself, like spend more time with friends. Don't be afraid to ask friends like, Hey, can you hang out with me? Can we talk? Cause you have to, you've got this big void that was filled by a person. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the most natural thing in the world, what you did, which is like, let me find another person to stick mm-hmm. in this big void. Um, yeah. But that's usually a bad idea. So you have to fill that void with caring for yourself, doing things that make you feel healthy and whole and good exercise, whatever, talking to friends um, for you. It was, you know, like really, being productive towards your business and all sorts of stuff like that. And I'm a big, like set the expectation sort of during the breakup of contact or lack thereof. Yes. And then stick to that, you know, of saying like, look, I, I care about you and and maybe there's a time that we can be in each other's lives in the future, but like, 
you know, like six months, maybe a year, like minimum, like I'd like us to not really be in contact. And if you have mutual friends or if you like live in the same place or whatever, another, I think really considerate caring thing to do is to say like, look, if you start seeing someone else, I don't want to know about it. And so, you know, I'll ask that you just be considerate of me in that way. You know, and it's not like the person has to like hide or lie or whatever, but it's just like, just be, just be considerate Mm -hmm. of one another, you know? Well, let me ask you a question really quick. What are your thoughts on cold turkey, no communication or keeping some communication for a little bit? I mean, I think, I think you have to have like, usually you have to have like some kind of closure conversation. But I, I think to me, like if you're breaking up in an intentional way where you're sort of like being honest with each other, like, you know, like usually something happens where it's like, well, look, let's take some time. Let's think about things. Let's, you know. And so you do that. Someone makes the decision. Then there's usually like another point where you're like, okay, let's give each other our stuff back. But outside of that, it doesn't work for me and it doesn't feel healthy to me to be like, oh, I might just get a text from you or shoot you a text or whatever. Um I think it's, I I think that prolongs it for me. Like you kind of have to rip the bandaid off, but I don't know. But also like, I think that, that processing kind of closure conversation you're talking about is really important and that can happen in a lot of different ways, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it really, I mean, as, as hard as this breakup was, it was a good decision that my ex-boyfriend had made to be like, you know, I don't want to cut this off cold turkey. If you need to reach out, you can reach out to me. Even yes. though it was hard to, all of a sudden his texts were colder, right? Yep. They, cause he was, he didn't want to be with me anymore. So he was mm-hmm. right to the point and that was hard, but. Well, but that's, but that's also like good boundaries and sort of ultimately caring by him because if he had been super affectionate and whatever, it would have kept you in this sort of stuck place of like, pining for him or maybe he'll come around or whatever, you know? Yeah. No. And I think, again, I think he is an amazing person. Obviously I fell in love with him for a reason. I don't know that he has, he told me that his anger issues had never come up with any other partner in his life. So mm-hmm. obviously my personality kind of instigated that. I So I, I actually can sort of relate to a, a it's not like your personality or your fault, but what can happen is that when there's a dynamic between two people that is like re like playing out some sort of past trauma or something for one or both people, that's when people can feel really out of control. Like, and, and I had a relationship like that. And I think for a lot of men and women, some there's some relationship dynamic that happens where you're, feeling things so intensely and you're responding to them on a much like larger scale than the actual thing that happened warrants. Right. Mm -hmm. And when people are behaving like that, typically you're like, why is this person like, why is the reaction that big for something that seems really small? Um, It's because it's not about the thing that just happened. It's playing out something very big, like much bigger, very painful, usually from their early life. And, and, but I think that's really dangerous and people need to have a good, awareness of that because like 
as you've described, like it can be abusive, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that, and it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think either you or I believe that this ex-boyfriend that you're talking about is going to go into his next relationship and it's going to be abusive in the same way, right? Like I think, you know, but that's also like, there's nothing that you did or said or anything like that, that made it your fault. It's just yeah. the dynamic, right? I agree yeah. with all of that. And I want to make it clear who wasn't physically abusive. It was just verbally. Yeah. And to him, right, what he was experiencing in those moments was like, he was feeling so hurt and wounded by you that like, it came from this place of like vulnerability, like every even when like there's students that I've talked to who are, you know, some part of my job is sometimes like when students have a breakup, and one person is acting like really badly, like sort of, like, stocky kind of stuff, or like, you know, whatever. Um, the person who's doing those things always feels justified by like how hurt they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you don't understand like what she did to me. Like I gave my everything to this person and like, blah, 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 you know? And so that's a really like slippery slope that like everyone should be aware of, like mm-hmm. to try to catch and, and check yourself on that. But mm-hmm. anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. Like, I don't know. I don't know where he is in his life right now, but Yeah, I mean, I wanted to kind of, I guess I just wanted to kind of go over maybe some, not from our experiences, but maybe just some things that we could talk to you guys about of what actually happens to you when you go through a breakup. What are some suggestions that we would make during the breakup, post breakup? I know we've kind of been circling around it, but maybe let's kind of just make it a little bit more clear. So I... This is a paragraph from a, an article that I read, but uh, breakups can have a dramatic impact on our bodies. For example, broken heart syndrome is a real condition with mm. serious and painful symptoms. Other studies have sh- also shown how breakup stress can cause acne, loss of appetite, and sore muscles, but as well as the body, our brain also goes through a lot after a breakup. So that's kind of where it was leading into like when things trigger and make you remember things about your significant other. It lights up the same parts of your brain as cocaine users who are waiting for their next line. Mm. So in other words, love is addictive and breaking up with someone is like going through a withdrawal. Mm. And it's true. I mean, I, I remember just kind of laying in bed and crying and from my ex-husband and this guy and probably a couple other guys too, just feeling like my heart hurt, like my heart hurt so much. And it was this pain that I wanted to like escape out of my body. And like, I didn't know how to escape out of it. And so it is, I mean, it's very, very painful. And I think, I think people react to it differently in that some people just push it aside and don't feel it. Yeah. And that is something you don't want to do. Mm. You want to be able to, so a healthy thing, right, is to let yourself feel what you're feeling. Feel all the feelings that you're feeling, right? So I would suggest, you know, if you don't have a therapist and you feel comfortable, maybe start seeing a therapist to talk through some of your feelings. It doesn't have to be a forever thing. Um, Let yourself sit in the pain for a little bit, but kind of like we talked about on the grief episode, when when you can't do it anymore, come out of it find ways Mm -hmm. to come out of it. So kind of slowly work through that. Um, Allow yourself to go through the five stages of grief, the, the denial, which kind of saves you a little bit. And then there's the anger 
And then there's the, what were the other um, <laughs> three? Denial, anger, bargaining. Bargaining. That's where like, that's where you might be reaching out being like, well, I'll just do this. If, yeah. if you come back to me, I'll change. Or mm-hmm. um, I'm going to drop my stuff off, but like, can I see you? Or, you know, that was me when I was sitting at the table with him and I was like, well, are you seeing someone? Well, did you even love me? And, you know, like I was wanting him to say like, of course I loved you and I still love you. And, you know, so yeah. there's the bargaining and then there's the, there's another, there's another depression. D before acceptance. Then there's the depression. Thank you. The depression. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then there's the depression where that's where you're feeling it. Right. And then there's the acceptance, which, yeah. which can include like what my sister talked about is some kind of ritual, writing a letter. Maybe you write a closure letter to that person, but never send it to them, hmm. you know? So, Let's just focus on right when the breakup is happening. What would you suggest some things that someone could do? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm one of those people who it hits later. Like even when I've had like loved ones die and things like that, like I'm like all business at first, Mm. right? I'm like, okay, like when's the service? Like let me book my flights, like whatever it is, you know? And then it'll be like on the plane or something. It hits it, you know, like mm. when I'm like, when there's literally nothing else I can do to keep busy or whatever. And I just, now I'm stuck in this chair for like mm. five hours or whatever it is. So I think I get real, you know, I'm like, okay, how do we do this in a way that will m- prevent or minimize us from hurting each other more than we have to, mm-hmm. you know, which is why, you know, kind of this like, Hey, let's not talk. Hey, like, Let's try to be considerate of each other if and when we're starting new relationships or whatever it is. And so that's one thing. I think like as you were talking, it's so interesting, like talking about what it felt like for you to have that like pain and grief and stuff really visit on you. Like I remember like a heartbreak I went through um, in the past couple of years. So I had gone to, I've done these two 10 day long silent meditation retreats. And there's this, Buddhist concept of anicca, which is like impermanence, which is like everything changes like constantly. And at some point during the retreats, right, you'd be, we'd have to do these sitting meditations for an hour and you like weren't supposed to move at all. Right. And like, you can imagine like the cramps in your legs and in your back and, you know, you're just like literally sitting on a cushion on the floor. And so sometimes the teacher, if it was like a meditation that was being led or guided by, you know, the voice of the teacher, you know, like, like the teacher would just go like, Anicca, Anicca, Anicca. Mm. And like this, like everything's changing, everything's changing. And like, I remember days and nights and like, or just at work, like it would just hit me like a wave. And it was like all, you know, like when I was like home in my house, I would like literally hold myself. Mm -hmm. I would literally like hug myself and like in my head, like just be like, Anicha, Anicha, mm. you know, like, it's like just to get through, mm. you know, um, because it was like so overwhelming in those moments. Mm. So I think like holding yourself is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like whatever you have to do, right? Yeah. Reach out to a friend, have them come over and yeah. hold you, you yeah. know, have a night where you go get ice cream and order pizza and have a movie marathon. You yep. know, I think, I think the first few days after are really, really vital of having people around, uh, keeping busy, going downtown, uh, or I <laughs> say downtown Redlands, going out, <laughs> go on a trip, get yep. in the car and go on a road trip. So I think something to kind of 
help you in those first few days when it's for me the worst and yeah. it is it helps you just kind of like feel it a little bit slower so it like you said yes. like it doesn't hit all at once yeah and and i think there's a like a balance of like sometimes like processing it and talking about it with a friend who you can trust you know just like this is what I'm feeling and blah, blah, blah. Like sometimes that helps, but then sometimes you need to just like watch a Marvel movie and like yes. not, not talk about it. Right. Yes. You know, the, the other thing that I, I really firmly believe, and, and maybe not everybody's with me on this, but like when you start looking to the other person that you just had the breakup with as some kind of relief from the difficulty of going through the breakup, like I just almost never, believe that it will actually be relief. I think it will just, it just either prolongs it or, or makes things more painful. You know, that's why like, I totally like, even though it's hard, like do everything I can, even if I have to like unfriend or whatever, like, so that I'm not seeing them. So I'm not tempted because anything I, I know, cause I, cause I did this so many times, anything I see is going to be painful for me. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, like, you know, there's Dan Savage says people who snoop like through their, uh, you know, significant other's phone or email or whatever, like people who, you know, he says people who snoop deserve what they get. Like, mm. you know, he's like, you're only going to find things that hurt you. And like, that's what you're doing. Like, mm. you know, um, and so I really believe on like, you have to, again, like, don't look to that other person to fill that void, like fill it mm-hmm. yourself or fill it with other people. Mm-hmm like loved ones in your life. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but, but, but you might not agree. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of like how you handle that denial phase, right? So like in yeah. your denial phase, maybe you do need like just to protect your body and to protect your heart. Maybe you do need a little bit more communication and then you're ready to go through the next phase of whatever, mm. you know, cause you don't necessarily have to go through the five stages in order. Like my sister yeah. told us. So. And like, by the way, I would never, I, I would never be like cold, you know, to like somebody that I broke up with. Who's like, I'm really upset. Like, I need you to talk to me. Like, of course. But I think like the same way this ex did with you, like you're kind of making sure that there's boundaries there, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like I would, uh, not hook up again mm-hmm. once there's a breakup. So that was not a good decision because then it had the feelings all over again. It's like I had to break up all over again. Yeah. Right. And and then I was like, that moment seemed so special and we were so into each other. How could we not be together? And I was expecting him, I was expecting that situation to happen and then he'd be like running back to me. Yeah. So I would say stay away from that. Yeah, that's why, like, yeah, the whole, like, let's, like, will it'll be closure. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, get no, out of here. No. I thought you were talking about don't hook up with other people, which oh. I was going to totally agree with. Because to me, oftentimes, even if I wait a long time after the relationship to start dating again, one of the most painful moments for me of a breakup of the whole process is, like, when I get really excited about somebody else and then that ends in like disappointment. Mm. And cause then all the like, well, I, I, you, I think back on the relationship that yep. ended and I'm like, there was so much good stuff there. And like, I thought this was going to be it. And this was like garbage. And like, is that's all that's in front of me, yep. you know, like, or whatever. 
Um, so I, I think if you're, if you experience that while you're still at that really raw, vulnerable place, it's going to be like 10 times worse. Yeah. Well, and anything you do, that's not a healthy method of coping. So drinking a lot of alcohol, doing drugs, um, smoking a lot of weed. I mean, I'm not saying those things are bad things. I'm just saying if you're using them as a coping method, it's not going to help you heal, right? So I would say casual sex would go along with that because you're not just having casual sex because you're like, "Eh, I'm just, you know, out there, but you're having casual sex to try and heal a pain that you're feeling and it's not going to heal it. And so then you potentially may be hurting someone else as well as you're going to continue to hurt yourself. So yeah, yeah, I would say to try and stay away from that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really interesting. I just want, I like, like just this is a little bit off topic, right? But it's really interesting for me to be talking about (laughs) breakups at this time now, you know, um, that I'm like sort of in, you know, like, five, six weeks out from a, from a breakup myself. And I hope I'm not sort of being like disingenuous or anything because I I also, I don't want to talk about my current breakup just out of like care and respect for my partner. I totally agree. Yes. And, and, but I also like want to be real with like you and with our listeners and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I'm like, but as we're talking about this, I'm sort of like reflecting on how I'm doing. And it's mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because I think, you know, like everything, it kind of hits me in layers. Like there's times where it's it's very sad for me. And then, you know, but I also have a lot of gratitude that we were able to sort of be respectful and caring to one another in our parting ways. <sighs> I don't know. You know, but it's like I'm still in it, you know, like yeah. – um, I know. Is this kind of weird for you to kind of talk about it while you're going through it? I, I kind of feel like it's helpful, you know, because hmm. I also, you know, this breakup is painful because there was a lot of great things to our relationship. We, we were both really excited about the prospect of each other and, and our relationship. But I, I've also have been at a place where I've, I've been able to stay pretty secure in that like this was the right decision, you know, kind of like the way you just, you know, like just recognizing there were parts of the relationship that were unhealthy and that's not blaming anyone. It's just what the dynamic was. So, yeah, I don't know. So well, good. I mean, I'm doing my best. Am I doing okay? Like, am I? You're doing great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. I mean, I think anytime, like a lot of the episodes that we've recorded have been really therapeutic for me. Like when I talked yeah. about, things that with guys that didn't work out and I was still sad and just talking about it just helps you kind of, you know, be a little bit more introspective and maybe work through it. So let's talk a little bit maybe about as you move farther away from the breakup, when do you know when you're ready to start dating and seeing other people? Um, Great. Give me the answers, Leanne. Okay. All right. So now we're ready. So I think the whole wait half of the relationship is super dumb oh so it's so however long the relationship was you divide that in half yeah and that so if you were married for 10 years you're not supposed to date anyone for five years yeah so technically i got one more year to go yeah get out of here i know isn't that crazy so um yeah i think that's dumb i think you know i think it's different for everyone i feel like men are are somehow able to move on a little faster than women. And I'm not sure why that is. I I don't know if it's more of like an emotional awareness thing and they're just kind of able to stuff that down a little bit more. 
Um, and yeah. some women move on really quickly too. So it's not, you know, that's not exclusive to either gender, mm -hmm. but I think it also kind of depends on how long the relationship was over for you before it actually ended. Oh, that's very true. You know, yeah. so like if you were in the relationship and you really were just feeling for a year, just like not in it and you're just, you're not sure what to do. You don't want to hurt this person. And then it ends. Maybe you're ready to move on a little faster. For yep. me, this whole relationship with me and my ex-boyfriend, I mean, we had passionate, loving feelings towards each other all the way up to the end. It just, we clashed. And yeah. so it took me a lot longer to move on, but I started dating three weeks, month after, and that wasn't a good idea for me. So, mm. you know, with my ex-husband, I started dating way too soon, way too soon. So I don't know that there's a, a perfect answer. I think, yeah. I think the best thing to do is when you sign up for that dating app or when you are like, you meet this girl and you get this number and you think about the prospect, I think you need to really think, are you in a place where you feel like you can set the past relationship aside to be yeah. able to start a new different relationship with a different person. So yeah. I guess not fully healed, but healed enough that you're not dragging that shit into the next relationship. Yes. That like you can be healthy. You can be in relationship in a healthy way, healthy for yourself and healthy for the other person yes. as well. And yeah, I also, I, like I also think that people who immediately date, and then they tell people, well, you know, like, I just got out of a relationship, so I'm not really looking for anything. Um, I would say that's a red flag and to stay away from that person. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I, if, I also if think, If you're too, looking for a relationship. Yes. And I also think, too, like, the way you can, you jump back into the dating world, like, is if you're, like, slow and careful and intentional with that and like let like let people know like hey i mean you don't have to say like hey i'm three months off of a breakup or something like that but you can go hey you know i'm, I'm just interested in like i'm moving kind of slow like is yeah, that okay with absolutely you, right? like yeah yeah so yeah definitely thank you for that answer you're welcome did that you think yeah. that helped it did okay yeah. good i just think the best that you can do to protect your heart and not hurt other people, that's how you should be in the dating world. You know, we'll hurt people without trying to. Sure. That's the cost of admission. Yeah. That's the cost of admission. You're going to get hurt. But I think to know that you're probably going to hurt someone and still do it anyway is, is a little risky. And I think that, in 2020, we should just be doing things a little better. Yes. And fucking 2020, man. Um, <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, a, a, a great way of saying this is my friend, um, shout out to my friend Therese from high school. We used to say this to each other all the time. Hey, Therese. Um, yeah. But uh, is don't be reckless with other people's hearts and oh, don't I put up that. with people who are yes. reckless with yours. Oh, see, you'd always take all my words and you make them more profound. <laughs> I just, I just like quote someone else that, that did it well. But. Yeah. But I think that's a great way to just kind of wrap this up is mm -hmm. say it one more time. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts and don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Yeah. 
and feel all the feelings that you're feeling and let your, give yourself grace when you're going through a breakup. I actually recently was told that like, if you hug yourself for like, at least like three to five seconds, like your body will release oxytocin. Like shut up. Yeah. Wow. Like, but you have to really, like you have to be really emotionally invested in the hug. Like, hmm. I'm so emotionally invested. Like I'm really (laughs) hugging myself. Okay, guys. So that's our main tip. <laughs> just go hug yourself for how long? Two minutes? No, I think like three to five seconds. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Two minutes. Um, well, I think that I hope you guys, I hope that helps you. If you've been through a breakup and you have other tips, feel free to send us a DM. And guys, like I, I want to hear from you. So I was going to say this. If you have stories or questions that you want us to address or topics that you want us to discuss, send me an email. Hello, Leanna Joan at gmail.com. Or you can DM me on Instagram at underscore Leanna Joan or at hello and goodbye podcast. You can also reach out to Jared at the real Jared Rodriguez with an S as well. And we want to hear from you. Tag us in your stories, yeah. send us DMs, uh, email us, and and we will address your guys' questions. And if you have any situations you need advice on, we can also address that. So I just wanted you guys to know, like, we're here for you. We want to, yeah. I, I try and respond to every DM that I get. And so, you know, feel free to reach out. Yeah. And I would say too, Leanna, thank you for sharing your story about this ex. Cause I feel like this episode was about breakups, but I feel like by sharing your story, there's like so much other stuff in there that I think can like, I'm sure a ton of people can relate to about the way the relationship felt and got started and the intensity and the up and down. And like, um, and I think like that a lot of people can relate to and a lot of people probably got a lot out of like just you sharing in that way. So yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, of course. I thought it was time (laughs) (laughs) to tell that part of my story. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's it. So make sure to subscribe, rate and review on Apple podcasts and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.